0: So we're going to be back in the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Uh, We started a five-week series on uh, what the early church, uh, in Acts chapter 2, the five practices of the early church that should be a part of our church today. Uh, And and the people of this church, uh, in the book of Acts, they didn't just do these things. They excelled at them. This is uh, something that they... They went above and beyond. They didn't do the bare minimum. They said, we want to do this to the best of our abilities. And the benefit of that was that their church grew and increased in numbers on a daily basis. Now, whether or not that happens here or not, I can't guarantee. But either way, it's something that we as a church should be doing as a step of obedience. So the first one we looked at was the practice of paying attention to the preaching of the word. In Acts chapter 2, verses 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And there, for them, there wasn't a large uh, number of places to do that. They, they couldn't get online. They couldn't go to multiple churches. They had to come to the synagogue, or they had to go where the disciples were, in order to hear that message. And they said, we want this. We are going to do this. And so we talked about paying attention, which you guys are here for a third week in a row, and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Number two was participation in the church body. And they devoted themselves to this. Like they devoted themselves to the preaching of the word, it was something that they saw value in, and it's something they wanted to do each and every day. And what we saw last week was that that meant that they lived life together. They they got together and they prayed for each other. They supported each other. They encouraged one another. Whenever somebody was going through something in life that was hard to handle, they knew they had a place that they could go in order to have support, in order to help other people. Uh, Today, like I said, we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Um, I'm going to read the whole passage again, uh, like I had the last couple of weeks, and we're going to dive into practice number three, which is the practice of prayer. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father God, I do thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you've given each of us a Bible. And thank you that we have the ability to talk to you on a regular basis so we don't have to go through a pope or a priest or uh, through a pastor or or anything like that. God, that we can go straight to you with anything and everything that's on our hearts that we're concerned about. Thank you for making that way possible so that we know that you love us in the future. God, I just pray that your truth comes out today that we are blessed and we are encouraged to pray to you even more because God, you are a God who answers prayer and a God who communicates and loves us. Please God, give me your word to share. In Jesus name, Amen. So practice number three was they devoted themselves to prayer. This was something they did regularly. This was something that they were determined to do. They saw a great amount of value in. Now I will admit to you that of the five practices, this is uh, almost one of the hardest ones to actually implement. Not because praying is hard. Uh, not you know not because um, I'm embarrassed to pray. Because I get up and pray every single week. You know ever since I was a youth pastor and then being here, I've led prayer, the prayer and praise time. Uh, so it's not it's not that doesn't make it difficult. Um, the th- thing that makes it difficult about praying is to pray specifically and consistently for uh, the same thing. For a long time, because if we don't get answers, it's easy to give up and think, "Oh well, it really doesn't matter." So this, I will admit, this is the hardest one that I struggle with. But over the last three months, like I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, Leslie and I have gotten together almost every single night and prayed, and it's been it's been really good. Um, I mean, we pray for the prayer family of the week, we pray for our church, we pray for the school, we pray for the the nation, and I just, it gets to the point where I say, I want to do this. Not every answer I'm getting that I want, not every timeline, anything like that, but there's just so much value in praying. And the church back then was devoted to it. Uh, Devoted means they were committed, they were continually, they were constantly getting together to pray. And prayer, what is prayer? Can anybody throw out a definition to me of what prayer is? Thank you, exactly. That's it. Prayer is talking to God. They were devoted to doing that together, to getting together and to pray. And I bet you anything. The prayers of the early church were the best, sweetest prayers you ever heard. Because nobody was speaking in flowery words. Nobody was trying to impress each other. All they did was talk to God like they were talking to a friend. And that to me is the greatest prayer that anybody can ever give. Because God's not impressed by the length, he's not impressed by the words we use. He just wants to hear our voice. So what were these people praying about? There's not a list here that tells us this is what they were praying about. Some of the commentaries said, you know what, they're probably reciting some Old Testament prayers. And uh, their their prayers of that day. And I bet they were. But I think they were also praying the same way that you and I would pray. About everything in life. We, they were praying for forgiveness for their sins. Because they were recognizing they were sinners. They were praying for God's help to know and to do what was right in the situations. They were praying that God would provide for their needs. They were praying for the growth of the church, which was something that was taking place. And I think they were praying for the salvation of their friends and their families. However they prayed, whatever they prayed for, they knew that they could not get through a day, they could not get through life on their own, and they went straight to God with their prayer requests. It says that the people met daily, verse 46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. And part of that was that they were praying. It wasn't just a weekly prayer meeting. It wasn't every time somebody just says, hey, let's do this. This was something they were doing on a regular basis. But they didn't just pray at church. They prayed in their homes. In verse 47, or verse 46 and 47, it talks about they broke bread in their homes They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, and they praised God. Now, praising God, part of that is saying, hey, guess what, everybody? This is what God did for me. But praising God, part of that is praying and telling God, thank you, or giving God the credit to Him for what He did for me. So they prayed everywhere. They were with a body of believers. They said, hey, let's spend some time praying together. It wasn't just a trend, though. It wasn't that okay. This is a new church. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to pray, you know. Because if you've ever started a habit or or a resolution, when you start off, it's real easy to do it, right? It's real easy, like the first day to spend all day praying or all day eating healthy or exercising, and then the next day it's harder because my body's sore because I want to do something else. But this was something that started then and it continued through the Book of Acts. You know, before the Uh, before the disciples had anything going on in life, I mean, after Jesus ascended into heaven, before anything ever happened, what did the disciples do? They prayed. It says in verse, verse 14 of Acts chapter 1, they all joined together constantly in prayer. We talked about doing that, praying corporately and constantly together. The disciples recognized that there was a lot of value in doing this. Before you go out and choose to do something, you need God's blessing on your life first to help you through that. So that's what they did. But following the birth of the church, they got together and they prayed as well. Acts chapter 4, which we're going to be looking at here probably in three or four weeks, uh, we find that Peter and John were put in prison. They had healed uh, a guy, a paralytic, I believe, or, or somebody who couldn't, um, a lame beggar, it says. And they got hauled off to prison. They were speaking the name of, proclaiming in the name of Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they got put in prison. Uh, and they, they were brought before the people. And they were threatened. And they were ordered to shut up and go their own way and, and stay in peace. And what did they do after that fact? They went and talked to the people. And it says they all raised their voices together in prayer. Saying, you guys, you know what? This persecution is real. We've are gonna we really got something we've got to have to just go to the Lord to get us through this, and so they went to the to the Lord in prayer after the fact of the situation that they went through. But they also knew to pray during the problem, during the situation. Uh, one of the famous stories you find about uh, about prayer and about Peter is in the Acts chapter 12, when Peter was put in prison. Uh, one disciple has already been killed, and and the the guy in charge realizes that hey, the people are proud of this, so he took Peter and put him into prison. And during the night, Peter's sleeping like a baby. He's chained between guards, and there's guards at the door because they don't want him to get away. And what is the church doing during that whole time? The church is praying. The church is praying for Peter during this whole time. And God answers that prayer. The angel comes, lets Peter out. And so they knew that during the crisis, during that tough time, they're praying. They're praying before the problem comes, they're praying during the problem and they're praying after the problem because prayer is that important. Paul and Barnabas, before they went on their first missionary journey, what are they doing? People are praying for them before they go. This is, that's in Acts chapter 13. And you just find story after story of people praying because they know they can't live life on their own. They know that they need God's help. Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are in prison, and they're in the inner cells. They've been beaten and whipped, they're, they're stuck in prison. What do they do? They probably can't sleep. It says that they were singing songs and they were praying during, during the middle of the night. That's what they were doing. All the other prisoners were listening to them, but they're in the middle of the storm themselves. And they said, hey, we're not gonna feel sorry for ourselves. We're not gonna pound and try to get out of here. We are just going straight to God in prayer, because it was something that they saw value in. They knew it was important for their church to pray. They were devoted to it. They wanted it. They practiced it. They promoted it. They were a praying church. And they saw God work in many miraculous ways. But what do you think about the church today? What do you think the church's attitude in America towards prayer is today? Do you think it's one of those things everybody just gets excited for and gung-ho says, hey, let's get together and pray? Do um, you, you think it's something that the church really enjoys? The church around America, are we committed to doing these things? You know, there's lots of reasons why people don't pray. Uh, one of the, one of the, I did a little research, and one of the things that you, probably, you might resonate with is that when I pray, I feel like my prayers hit this morning. It doesn't get any farther. It doesn't feel like God's listening. It doesn't feel like God's doing anything. I don't, I don't feel like, I'm not, not going to be persistent long enough to get my answer. Um, I don't think I'm going to like the answer God's going to give me. You know, one of the fun things about talking to kids about, when you talk about love and marriage and all that kind of stuff, is talking to them about praying for your mate. Because what does every kid in the world think? Well, I want to pray for a wife, but I want to pick her out because God's going to give me an ugly girlfriend. God's going to give me an ugly man for a husband, right? And so if we, we look at situations like that. We say, I don't want God. You know, I want it because it's on my own and handle it that way. But we need to be, as a church, we need to be a praying church. we do, we, we got to be persistent. we got to pray anyway. We've got to overcome doubt that God's going to give us the answer that we want. And I would encourage us, we need to set aside possibly specific time to pray. That was one of the things that benefited me and Leslie was, was right before bed, like 10 or 15 minutes, if she's going to bed first, we stop and pray and then she goes to bed. If we're both going to bed at the same time, we try to make sure, but setting time, a specific time to pray, uh, or, or eliminating distractions, don't be trying to pray while you're watching TV. You know, Don't be trying to pray while the kids are running around the house, You know, things like that. But we as a church in America need to make sure that we are a church of prayer. So what is prayer? Well, we've already said that prayer is talking to God. Uh, somebody somewhere came up with a very clever uh, acronym for how to pray. And this is called the Acts of Prayer. And these are four parts that should be included in the ways we pray. The first is adoration. Adoration or praise. And what is that? It means to give praise to God for who He is. Uh, The Bible talks about ascribe to the Lord. Give Him the glory and the praise that He deserves. You know, it would be something like telling God you are slow to anger. You are abounding in love. God, you are patient. You are kind. You are gentle. God knows those things. God likes to hear those things. It's important for us to recognize and to say those things because we're putting ourselves in the right position between us and God. That we're not just talking to, hey, homie, we're going to have this kind of conversation. But We're recognizing that he is God, and we are just people. He loves us very, very much. We're part of his family, but he is God. So one thing to do is to give him that credit, that praise that he deserves. Confession—that's where I, I admit to God uh, that I've sinned and I ask God to forgive me. Now, um, I'm, I'm just just thinking in your own mind when you pray, how often is that a consistent part of your prayer? Not that you're saying this in front of church or at a prayer meeting or anything like that, but when it's just you and God, how much of your prayer is spent telling God I'm sorry for what I said, what I did? Because you know, when a kid gets in trouble, immediately big brothers. Or dad and mom are there to say, "Hey, you're in trouble." I recognize you did this wrong. Little girl says, "Okay, I'm sorry." But when you sin before God, He's not there right now saying, "Josh, you better go sit in the timeout corner." Josh, I'm, I'm, we're going to talk about this. And so it's a lot easier to feel like it doesn't really matter to God, but it does. And the Bible tells us in First John one nine, if you confess your sins, whatever sin it is, He will forgive you of that sin. He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So a regular part of prayer is to just praise God for who He is. A regular part of prayer should be confessing my sins before God. Another part of prayer should be thanksgiving. That's telling God thank you. You know, even something as simple as, thank you for getting us to church safely today. Uh, thank you for keeping us safe while we slept in our house last night. Thank you for the food that I'm eating. And what I, what, I, what comes to mind, too, is, is thinking about... Think back on your life and just think about tough times that you went through, near-death experiences, uh, life-altering decisions, even a spouse, even if it's the birth of your kid and it didn't seem like things were going well when they were first born. And just think back and say, you know what, God, thank you for that again. I told you thank you then, but thank you. Just let your mind go and and remember to thank God for everything. The Bible says, Give thanks in all circumstances. When life is going good, say thank you. When life isn't going so good, thank God that he is with you. Thank God that he's helping you through this situation. But giving God thanks should be a regular part of our prayer. And maybe that is. Maybe you guys got this down pat. I know this acronym helped me a lot. I've seen it, you know, um, for like seven years or eight, ten years, something like that. I've known this. And it has helped me to pray more than just what prayer typically is. And that's the supplication part. Asking God to work on my behalf. I would, I would venture to say that the majority of people when they pray, this is specifically straight where I go. And I'm guilty of it too sometimes because I know that I can't get anything and I can't get anywhere unless God does it. And it, the Bible talks about this. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 through 15. First John chapter 5 verses 14 through 15. It says this is the confidence that we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to His will He hears us. And we know that if He hears us whatever we ask we know that we have what we have asked of Him. It is okay to ask God for help. It is okay to ask God to help Daisy know what school to pick out. It is okay to ask God to help you get the promotion at work. It is okay, it is okay to talk to God and say, God, this is what I need. I can't do this on my own. I need you to intervene for me. That is part of it. God likes to hear that. Uh, He likes to hear that we want what we feel like we need, and He wants to answer those prayers. This is a great acronym for how to pray to God. But there's one thing that's missing, and I'm not criticizing this because Um, I think it's a great thing. I use it all the time. But the last thing that's missing that would really mess up the acronym is uh, to listen. When we pray to God, it's not a one-sided monologue where I just throw up on God and give him everything. I just kind of good. I said everything I wanted to say, and then I just leave. Part of praying to God is to sit and listen. If I tell God, you know, this is what I'm struggling with in life, maybe spend some time sitting there and see what God does. He might bring you peace for that situation that you're asking for. But if I just tell God everything and run off with my life, I may never experience that peace because I never took time to hear from God. He might bring a verse to mind on how do I deal with this specific situation. But I'm not listening, and so I'm not getting these answers. And it might just be uh, how to handle something specific that's not specifically in Scripture. You know, there's a number of times where I'm working on a message, and I'm like, I'm stumped on what to say, and, or what this means, or, or how to present this. And I will, I'll pray, and then I'll go for a walk. I'll walk to the school, or I'll go for a drive, and it's like, boom. God brings it to my mind, because I'm like, totally, just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not really doing anything. I'm just walking and trying to pay attention, and God gives me the answer. So I know from proof that just how to say things in life, God brings that to mind. So I would encourage you, spend time praising God. Confessing the sins that God already knows that you did. Tell God thank you for what he's done, even if it's 20 years ago. Tell God this is what I need you to do on my behalf. But also spend time listening to what he wants you to say. So I would encourage you to, to try to work out this practice or habit of prayer if you don't have one. And if you don't have a practice of prayer, I would encourage you to start small. Not like not like the guy who's trying to lose all the weight in the first day of his... Um, New Year's resolution. I don't try to pray for everybody on the first day about every type of situation. Say, hey, I'm going to pray for five minutes. I'm going to pray for the prayer family of the week, and I'm going to pray for my kids at school. Right? And then slowly expand that. And I think as you learn, you say, I like this. I like having this connection with God. There's a unity, there's a blessing in this when I spend time with God. And when, when we're uh, able to pray to God, it's, not, it's a very special thing. Because what did Jesus tell his disciples when he was teaching them how to pray? He didn't say, dear, dear sir, please answer my prayer. Dear king, he said, uh, our father who art in heaven. Jesus is saying, that's my father, and you guys talk to him like your father too. Now I know not every father situation is a great one, but you guys understand the idea of a father. When my kids need something, they come talk to me and say, hey dad, I need help with my math. Hey, Dad, I'm having this problem at school. Hey, Dad, and we have this relationship. And that's the way it's supposed to be with God, is we can go talk to Him like a father, not like a king, not like the president that you can't get to. I've done some emailing uh, in the last couple of months, talking, trying to talk to the president, and I get no response back. Um, I, I tried emailing the, the uh, Supreme Court multiple times, no email back. I tried writing to I write into some senators. I got a response from Steve Daines um, the other day. But normally that's kind of what we think about when we're talking to God is, I'm talking to somebody, it's hitting the ceiling, nothing's going to happen. Um, I, mean, I, don't, I don't even get like an acknowledge, acknowledgement letter that somebody read it, right? It feels like it just disappeared into nowhere. But God isn't like that. He's your Heavenly Father who loves you, who wants to hear from you. He wants that kind of relationship with you. And I want to encourage you to take advantage of that. The early church did, and they felt the blessing of it. They felt the peace. When life was crummy and they were going off to prison, they knew exactly where to go because they always had this relationship with God. So when you pray, there's there's different things about this that you can do. In Matthew 6, verse 6, it says, And when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You can pray by yourself, right? You can pray by yourself in your bedroom. You can pray by yourself in the shower. You can pray by yourself when you're trying to sleep, on your way to work, whatever it is. Uh, you You don't have to worry about what anybody's thinking at that time. Talk to God like you're talking to a friend. Talk to Him like you would hopefully talk to a family member and say, Hey, this is what I'm really feeling. This is what I'm really thinking. Can you help me? Pray in secret. Pray by yourself, but you can also pray together. Matthew chapter eighteen, verse twenty: For where two or three come together in my name, there I am with them. Get together with a couple people after church. Get get together with a bunch of people after church. Get together with your family, with your brothers and sisters, and and get together and and pray. Uh, With Leslie, that's something that she's wanted for eighteen years. You know, like, for 17 years and 9 months, he's had to suffer with not doing that really well. But it's like there is, it's actually something I want to do now. I want to pray with her because I see a benefit in it. It draws me closer to her. I feel like it's drawing me closer to God. And you can pray about anything, anytime. First Thessalonians 5.17, pray continually. You know, pray, uh, Pray, like I said, while you're driving, don't just pray one time and then forget it. You know, I think God wants you to know that He's answering your prayer. If I pray one time and say, God, please let it rain, and then three days later I don't even think about it, and then that rain comes, I don't think I'm going to see the connection that, oh, yeah, I prayed for that, or about somebody getting better, or about this job. It's so easy to forget, so um, it's important to pray continually for the same thing. Pray throughout your day. You don't have to spend all day on your knees. Obviously, I think everybody knows that. But as you're going throughout your day, God brings something to mind, start praying for whatever that is. Because God is never too busy. He's never going to give you a busy signal. He's always there. He's always up for the conversation. The early church did this. They were demonstrating what the church should be. They were One of the things they were doing, they were praying. And that produced something. This was one of the, the three things we've looked at so far that helped the church to grow. It says they were enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord is adding to their number daily those who are being saved. I think people saw what God was doing. They saw the answers to prayer because when it says that that, that, uh, disciples were performing signs and wonders, they weren't doing that on their own. They were able to do that because God was helping them. And word was getting out. When God was answering a prayer or doing something special, those people took it to their friends. Look at this. All of a sudden, this kid can't walk. I mean, like the lame beggar. He can't walk, and now look at him walking. How did that happen? It was through prayer. It was through something that God did. And people started recognizing this, that this church, this body of believers, this is a good thing. They saw the answers to prayer, and they said, I want to be a part of that. But it also says that the numbers were increasing. Daily, people were getting saved. And one of the things, it was was because of results, of the prayers of these people I believe that that church they didn't just pray for the weather they didn't just pray for a building they didn't just pray for help they prayed that their church would grow they prayed for the their families and friends who needed Jesus and, and those prayers got answered you know because it wasn't those people who saved anybody it was the Holy Spirit who had to work on the lives of those people so they asked the Holy Spirit please make those people ready help them to be aware that they need you help them to be Ready when I get there to talk to them about you, and so they were praying and they were asking God to go ahead of them to make these people ready. And I, and we as a church, we need to make sure that we are a praying church. We need to make sure that we're praying together as a church. You know, I'm, one of those things I'm still hoping for is a corporate, uh, consistent prayer group. You know, we, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, so if anybody wants to volunteer home, we'll we'll advertise there and get it done. Um, If you don't want to, let me know that you are committed to coming, and we'll do it at my house. Because I feel like it's that important to do. I'm I'm excited to see what is God willing to do through a church who's willing to be consistent and good. So, practices of the early church. The first thing we looked at was paying attention to the preaching of the Word. You guys are here. You're paying attention. You're seeing what does God's Word say. They, were, they weren't just sitting there and listening to it. They were taking it out, and they were living it out in the world. Number two, participation in the church body, which means fellowship involves giving of yourselves to somebody else. Now, I don't know if it was coincidence. I don't know if it was whatever it was, because. but last week I felt like people stuck around forever. I loved it. It was great. People were visiting. People were talking. Maybe that was just... A preacher saying, boy, I hope it just seems like this is what's happening in the church. I don't know, but it was beautiful to see. That's what they did. They said, I need you. You need me. Let's stick through this together. And practice number three was they were praying with other believers. The early church was devoted to this. They were determined to do this. And I want to encourage us to be devoted to these things as well. To pay attention to what God's word says. To get it out there and live it out to participate in the church body, to stay bonded together, and to pray with other believers and see what God wants to do. Father, God, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for what you're teaching, even me, about what the church is supposed to look like, these five practices that we're looking at. And God, I pray that you'd help us to excel at these. that we would be a church that turns this town upside down, that we'd be a church that's full of love for each other, for the outside world, and that you, God, to do whatever you want through us, through the church, and through the people in it. Thank you, God, for, for what you're teaching us. I pray that we would be determined to pray this week. And, God, I pray that you would be put to answer the prayers that we do today. In Jesus' name.